Well, the university is devastated um, and so saddened by this tragic news. Two UVic students are killed, others seriously injured when their bus goes off a remote road on Vancouver Island. Plus. You're running away and hiding and leaving someone lying on the road and possibly dying. Outrage after a double hit and run and an alleged attempt to cover their tracks. And a rainfall warning is issued for the South Coast. The shocking amounts expected by Sunday. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Just days into the new school term, tragedy has struck the University of Victoria. And there are many unanswered questions tonight about a science trip that's left two students dead and many more injured. Last night, a bus carrying 47 people from the University of Victoria was headed to Bamfield Marine Research Centre on the remote west coast of Vancouver Island. It suddenly crashed during poor weather, killing two students. Nadia Stewart has the details. A remote logging road, the scene of a deadly bus crash, one claiming two lives and leaving 17 passengers injured. We had a lot of tragedy in our community in, in the last few months, and um, this is certainly not the news that anyone wants to wake up to. It all happened Friday evening, just before 9.30. A bus was heading southbound on an industrial logging road about 40 kilometres west of Port Alberni. On board were 45 students and two teaching assistants from the University of Victoria. These students typically collect marine samples or specimens and they do lab work at the Bamfield Marine Sciences Centre. What happened next is unclear. The bus somehow left the road and flipped upside down. The bus is 20, about 20 metres off down, down the embankment. First responders rushed to the scene. The Joint Rescue Coordination Centre sent two Cormoran helicopters and one Buffalo search and rescue aircraft from 442 Squadron in Comox to help. But two passengers did not survive. 17 more were rushed to hospital, two in serious condition, one of them in critical condition. Less than 24 hours later, there are many questions. Why was the group traveling on this road so late at night? The bus was operated by the Wilsons Group. They say their driver is experienced and this is a first for their company. We do not know what caused the incident at this time. We are cooperating fully and working with the RCMP and all those involved to help in whatever way we can with this, with this investigation. For now, the road remains closed. Police have not yet revealed the identity of the victims. Nadia Stork, Global News, Port Alberni. And that's not the only serious mishap on the logging road to Bamfield. Nine years ago, an Alberta school group's bus trip to the same science centre ended in a nightmare. Kristen Robinson has that story. The route to Bamfield goes downhill a few kilometres west of Port Alberni. The narrow and windy gravel logging road is maintained, but if you're not used to it, it can be a white-knuckle drive, with no cell service if you get stuck. At this time, we do not know all of the details of the incident. Why the Wilsons bus carrying 47 UVic passengers and an experienced driver was making the trip at night, unclear. The company says this tragedy is a first in more than 40 years of operation but it's not the first time a student bus has run into trouble on these logging roads. The students were so brave, like they weren't, they weren't scared. In September 2010, a four-hour bus ride from Victoria to Bamfield turned into a 20-hour ordeal 
for 10 students and two teachers from Edmonton. We went along, um, along the normal road and the bridge was washed out. Um, so we had to turn around and try another route. That road, even worse. The group forced to spend the night before trying to clear a path the next day. We overcame a number of obstacles, um, and but finally a culvert collapsed and we weren't able to go any farther. Ultimately, we were stuck. Yeah. While they couldn't get the bus wheels going, the driver turned to pedal power, riding 40 kilometers to get help from a logging crew. Fortunately, that nightmare ended well, unlike the UVic trip. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The roads throughout the south coast have been treacherous for a number of days, due in no small part to the rain. And now a rainfall warning has been issued for this weekend. Umbrellas and wet weather gear are necessary as rain continues to fall, and it's only going to get more intense across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley tonight and tomorrow. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, how much rain are we expecting by the end of the day tomorrow? Anywhere between 20 and up to 50 millimeters, and for the month of September, the average sits at 50, so we'll see a significant amount, and this takes us from Thursday all the way in towards Sunday. Over a four-day period, we could see up to a month's worth of rainfall. It is starting to pick up. It really will intensify over the next few hours. The following spots, so 20 and up to 40, the North Shore Mountains and stretching into Whistler and the Fraser Valley. Rainfall warning is issued, but it's for the southeast and the northeast, and that's where we're seeing a significant amount. Coquitlam, Maple Ridge, Surrey, and Langley included within that, right along the North Shore Mountains, and then west into Abbotsford, so up to 50 millimeters this evening. It'll start to ease off overnight, but still unsettled tomorrow. We're tracking a few thunderstorms. More coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right, Yvonne, thank you. A 12-year-old boy is in critical condition in hospital tonight after being hit by a driver in Langley yesterday afternoon who was allegedly impaired. As Jill Bennett reports, police believe the child wasn't the only person the motorist struck. In broad daylight, evidence markers show where a 12-year-old boy was hit while walking along the side of the road. He was critically injured, and the vehicle that hit him didn't stay at the scene. He made it through the night and was still fighting. I I do understand he's still critical, but uh, so far, fingers crossed, he's still with us. The crash was the second pedestrian hit in Langley Friday afternoon. The area was closed to traffic for hours while RCMP investigated, saying it was the same vehicle that clipped an 18-year-old with a side mirror as the teen was walking near Langley Secondary School around 3.30 p.m. RCMP say just moments after that 12-year-old boy was hit along this stretch of 232nd Street, both the driver and passenger were apprehended. The passenger of that dark blue Nissan Rogue arrested for a allegedly trying to hide the vehicle. The driver, a 29-year-old woman from Langley, was told to give a breath sample at the scene. Police say she refused, but did so a few hours later and tested above the legal limit for alcohol. When uh, a breath demand is made and an individual refuses to provide a sample, they're charged with refusal. It carries the exact same penalty as if they were convicted of impaired driving. I was hit in uh, an intersection in Richmond, and it took me out of service for months, years. Those fighting to get impaired drivers off the streets say hearing stories like this one is difficult. There's no excuse for driving impaired, period. There's many other ways of getting around without using your vehicle if you're impaired. Just leave your car at home, leave your car at the bar, Don't endanger the lives of other people and don't ruin other people's lives. Both people taken into custody Friday have been released, but could still face charges in what RCMP described as a complicated investigation. Jill Bennett, Global News. 
A recall has been issued for a baby formula sold throughout most of Canada, including right here in B.C. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says there's reports of illnesses associated with 375-gram containers of Calcico XD powder from Abbott Laboratories. The agency says the recall was issued because the formula was off-color and rancid. B.C.'s health minister says the province has plans to announce measures to try to curb vaping among children. A recent survey showed a 74% spike in vaping across teens or for teens across Canada. In the U.S., there have been at least six deaths and hundreds of possible cases of lung disease related to vaping. Even one inhalation can cause permanent lung damage. That's put pressure on the provincial and federal governments to try to stop kids as young as eight years old from experimenting with the potential deadly devices. Don't vape because it is true if you are a lifetime smoker and you're looking at harm reduction, the vaping can be an, mean an improvement in your health if you're a lifetime smoker. But if you're not a lifetime smoker, if you're eight or nine or ten and there are cases of vaping amongst people as young as that and younger, if you're eight or nine or ten or fourteen or fifteen and you're not a smoker, taking in nicotine is not a good thing. An eight-year-old Kelowna boy is recovering from what may have been a drug overdose. The boy's father says his son was taken to hospital after ingesting an unknown substance at school Wednesday morning. As Jules Knox reports, the father is going public about the incident in hopes of warning other parents. It was the worst day of my life. It was nothing that I could do or prepare for. On Wednesday, Jeremy Mills got a phone call from his child's school that no parent wants. There was something wrong with his eight-year-old son, Noah, but they didn't know what. He was unable to move or really speak. When I saw him, this is very serious. Like, he was not responding to my voice. He would not withdraw from pain very well. Noah was rushed to hospital, where he underwent a series of tests, but all the results came back negative. Then, 12 hours later, he was finally coherent enough to tell his dad what happened. He had found some substance within his classroom and, and you know, thought to himself, Half of me thought I should eat it and half of me thought I shouldn't eat it. Well, because he's an eight-year-old boy, you know, whoop. Mills says his son found the pink, sugary-looking powder in the back of his classroom in what's known as the student's safe place. And it was still there the next morning, so a sample was sent to Vancouver for testing. So at this point, it's, it's an unknown substance that, you know, my son had a major reaction to. You know, whether it's a street drug, a designer drug, cleaning, we, we have no idea at this point. As for how it might have landed in a grade three classroom. We just don't know. It's a mystery to us right now. I mean, it could have been a pill that was dropped and crushed from somebody's prescription. We've started an investigation, but we have no evidence about how the powder got there at this time. Superintendent Kevin Cordall says RCMP are now investigating. He also says classrooms are cleaned daily. And after the incident, the health and safety manager inspected the school. In the meantime, the school district is encouraging parents to have a talk with their kids, something Mills says he'd done. But our, our drug landscape as it is has changed, like with, you know, with gummy bears and with a lot of these edibles and oils and, you know, there's, there's liquids, there's tattoos, there's different forms that the drugs take now. And the father is sharing his story in the hopes that others can learn from the lesson. As for Noah... He's running around, it's, you know, he's, he's back to himself. But just, what do we do next? Like, we have to find out what, what it was that he ingested. The family is anxiously waiting for the results of the toxicology report to find out if there could be any lasting impact. 
Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. More shocked tonight that the former director general of the RCMP's National Intelligence Coordination Center is being accused of trying to pass along Canadian secrets. Cameron Ortis faces a total of seven charges relating to obtaining, processing, possessing rather. No, I was wrong. I was right the first time. Obtaining, processing and the intention of sharing classified information with the foreign entity. And the 47-year-old was charged under the criminal code and the rarely utilized Security of Information Act. He has strong ties in Metro Vancouver, having done a postdoctoral fellowship at UBC. Paul Evans, a UBC professor who worked with Ortis, issued a statement saying, in part, he did not discuss the details of his work and throughout was an exemplar of discretion and integrity in our interactions. Nothing in my experience with Cameron would lead me to suspect he would be any way involved in activities that would lead to such charges. Like others who knew him well, I was shocked by the news of the arrest of a very fine Canadian. Singing the song Glory to Hong Kong, at least 100 people gathered at the Aberdeen Centre in Richmond this afternoon. The song has become a rallying cry for pro-democracy protests that have sprung up in Hong Kong in recent months. The message of the song is that no matter what happens, Hong Kong people will not surrender. One of the demonstrators says the current situation in Hong Kong reminds him of when he was protesting at Tiananmen Square. To be with Hong Kong people who have fought so hard last three months and in last 30 years they are the most important fact to keep Tiananmen dream alive to keep what we were fighting for 30 years ago I can say it today here so that's why I'm so emotional mm. A Surrey man has recovered from a nightmare ordeal, suffering extensive burns during a camping trip last year. But as Julia Foy reports, he's now using his traumatic experience to help other burn victims. Who wants to grab it? Thank you. Surrey dad Harold Duncan Williams is getting a little help from his daughters as he puts up one of his real estate signs. His family says they have lots to be thankful for. Happy that he's still alive. It's actually hard to think about. <laughs> I thought he was going to die. We first introduced you to Harold in June of 2018 when he was recovering from a horrific burn accident. I just kind of dropped to my knees and I really couldn't bear the pain anymore. And I just, part of me was saying give up. On the May long weekend, the Duncan Williams family was camping at Golden Ears Park. As Harold was lighting a campfire, his shirt suddenly ignited and he suffered first, second and third degree burns all over his upper body. Definitely does haunt me so, you know, I'm just glad that um, I'm here for both my family and my girls. I think it's definitely brought us all closer. Um, we value each other a lot more and we realize how quick um, things can change for the worse. During the long months of recovery, which included multiple surgeries and skin grafts, Harold had an idea. Really give me an opportunity to see what really goes on um, in the burn units and what the staff go through, what the patients go through. So the non-profit Duncan Williams Foundation was born. Its first event on September 21st will try to raise $10,000 to help the VGH burn unit and Children's Hospital's burn unit. Excited because then he's showing how he cares for other people and he's helping other people. 
The event will be held at the Pint Pub in Vancouver, and there will be food, a fashion show, and musical acts. Harold also promises there will be lots of good karma. We're very thankful, and, and I think the love and support we received from just the entire community really inspired us to create this foundation and give back. Julia Foy, Global News. With the federal election in full swing, Justin Trudeau today dealing with religious freedom, Andrew Scheer with a new controversy, and Jagmeet Singh taking on the government over the auto sector. Here's Mercedes Stevenson. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau was in Quebec today taking more questions on the controversial Bill 21 that bans the wearing of religious symbols for anyone working in the public service. Meanwhile, Andrew Scheer was out campaigning and forced to address concerns about a video of a conservative candidate appearing with alleged white nationalist Faith Goldie. While NDP leader Jugmeet Singh was in Oshawa criticizing the government for not doing enough for auto workers. Tomorrow, the party leaders will begin their first full week on the campaign trail. What can we expect that they'll be spending time on in vote rich areas like BC, Ontario, and Quebec? We'll find out. Back to you. Uh, we're dealing with a rainfall warning here on the south coast of BC, but it's nothing like what parts of Spain are dealing with. <laughs> Two days of record-breaking rain have ravaged Spain, killing at least six people. Crews braved waist-deep floodwaters to save a baby, as you saw, and a number of other children who were stranded in homes. The military is also rescuing people using helicopters. The torrential rain has ruined homes, flooded roadways, and swept away cars. One person has been killed and three others injured in a shooting in downtown Seattle. Shots were heard late Friday on the platform of Westlake Rapid Transit Station. Three men were transported to hospital, two in critical condition. One of the victims later succumbed to his injuries. Witnesses say the shooting started because of a fight. The suspect fled the scene. Two oil production facilities in Saudi Arabia have been attacked by drones causing fires and disrupting oil production, likely leading to more price increases at the pump. The world's largest oil processing facility in flames overnight after a pre-dawn drone attack on two Saudi Aramco sites. President Trump spoke with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman to offer his support for Saudi Arabia's self-defense. The extent of the damage is unclear. Satellite images from NASA show the smoke visible from space. The drone strike shut down about half of the kingdom's crude oil output, 5 million barrels, roughly 5% of the world's daily production. The market expects that gasoline prices are going to go up 15 to 25 cents a gallon. The attacks likely to inflame tensions in the Gulf. Houthi rebels in neighboring Yemen claiming responsibility. But the Secretary of State is pointing the finger at Iran, tweeting, Iran has now launched an unprecedented attack on the world's energy supply. There is no evidence the attacks came from Yemen. Saudi Arabia, a U.S. ally, has been at war with the Iran-backed rebels for four and a half years. In the past, the Houthis have targeted Saudi pipelines, tankers and other infrastructure. The region's tensions now weighing on the global oil supply. And the White House has now confirmed the son of Osama bin Laden is dead. Hamza bin Laden was killed in a U.S. counterterrorism operation. A statement from the White House didn't give any further details on when or how he was killed. Hamza had become an increasingly prominent figure in the al-Qaeda terrorist net organization. The Toronto Raptors have just made history again, but it's not about, well, it's about female sports gear this time. Have a look. 
In partnership with Nike, the Raptors have become the first NBA team to have their logo on a line of hijabs. The Raptors announced the news with a video featuring a group of young Toronto women who inspired the product. The hijab ballers play basketball every Sunday and advocate for Muslim women to get involved in sports. The Nike Pro Hijab retails for $40. A $5 million toilet has been stolen at an art exhibit in England. Police say thieves broke into Britain's Blenheim Palace, where British wartime Prime Minister Winston Churchill was born, and they stole the 18-carat solid gold toilet. The fully functional toilet is worth more than $5 million and was a part of the exhibit, which opened just two days ago. Officials say they've arrested a 66-year-old man, but they haven't recovered the artwork. In health news tonight, it's a common disease that, if not properly managed, can be fatal. Today, Alberta Health Services sent out a reminder about children's asthma. Medical experts say they often see a spike in flare-ups a week into the new school year. Global's Tracy Nagai has more. Now, big breath in, up, 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 and blast it out. Blast, 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 keep going, keep going, blow, 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 blow. For nine-year-old Nevin Mansell, this test is a critical part of keeping her healthy and her asthma under control. It's kind of like your chest sort of gets, like, tighter, and sometimes you start wheezing and coughing, and it just, like, gets harder to breathe. The grade five student was diagnosed with asthma when she was five years old, and she's had some serious attacks in the past. You're probably just going to have to focus on the um, steroid. Experts say for people living with asthma, September can be a particularly dangerous month, thanks to the beginning of flu season, changes in the temperature, and of course, children are back at school. Generally about two weeks after the start of the school year in September, we see the September spike we call it for asthma, and it's like the perfect storm of kids back in school in enclosed environments. And it's not only kids that are at risk. Noseworthy says in September across North America, the number of emergency room visits for asthma flare-ups increases for both children and adults and the consequences can be serious. Asthma is a life-threatening disorder, which can cause death. Um, with good management, however, that's not usually the case. Experts say there are ways to avoid asthma flare-ups, including making sure children take their medication, knowing a child's triggers, hand washing, and getting the flu vaccination. For Mansell... When you stay on top of it, it's less likely for you to get an asthma attack. It's now just another part of her daily routine. Trace Nagai, Global News. We meet two BC teens who rescued four people from drowning. The reluctant heroes and their reward right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, uh, I don't have my gumboots with me tonight, but I do have an umbrella. Good. You'll need that. And if you've got your gumboots and anyone's heading out this evening, you'll need that as well. It's pretty soggy. We can see that on our tower cam. Uh, the good news is today will be the wettest day out of the weekend, and I'll show you more on your Sunday in just a moment. We're sitting at 16 degrees. We've got a southeasterly wind at 17 kilometers per hour. The high today on the cool side, we're briefly at 17 degrees, slightly below the average for this time of the year that sits at 19. Here's a glance at the rain that is moving in. It'll intensify over the next few hours and then easing off, especially as we get into 
towards the overnight. But this is the moisture that we're tracking for the south coast, the wettest day today. It pushes inland and it'll be very wet as we look ahead towards Sunday and that'll be for the interior. The range, I've put this just till this evening, so 20 and up to 30 for most areas. The higher amounts, once again, with the rainfall warning that is in effect, northern and eastern areas across Metro Vancouver are included within that. So stretching into Maple Ridge, including Langley, the North Shore West and North Van, and for Fraser Valley, including west, west of it, including Abbotsford as well. So the heaviest rainfall this evening tapering off. Tomorrow we'll still look at a chance of showers. It remains unsettled. We could even see a few isolated thunderstorms popping up, especially for Whistler and stretching into Howe Sound. And then heavy rain across the southern interior and continuing to see that through the day. A nice break will be on the way, but that's when we look ahead towards Monday, and that'll be for the southern half of the province. Here's a look so far. September rainfall amounts. Thursday we had significant up to 22, but it looks like we'll exceed that for this evening. And Including today, we've had six days, but these are the rainfall totals I've taken all the way in towards Friday. So 39.4, the average sits closer to 51 millimeters, and it looks like over the next few days we'll be exceeding that and definitely breaking that for many areas, even into the Fraser Valley and eastern areas. The piece up to 12 degrees for tomorrow, brightening up once again early Monday, Tuesday. Areas near Whitehorse dry over the next three days. Quite pleasant tomorrow, 17 above the average that sits at 12. A dry day along the north coast get out and enjoy it. 15, the rain pushes in and heavy at times for both Monday, Tuesday. Caribou and Central Interior, there is some cloud cover for tomorrow. By the afternoon, a very slight chance for a shower and the risk of a thunderstorm. Moving in on Monday will be the chance of showers. Columbia and Kootenai as we'll see the rain and heavy at times. 20, 10 and up to 20 millimeters. A cool day tomorrow with only a high of 16 degrees and the tops in Okanagan. 5 and up to 10 millimeters, the heaviest rainfall tomorrow. Easing off to showers both Monday, Tuesday. Whistler will see that instability, risk of a thunderstorm on Monday, a nice bright spot through much of the day. And across the island, we'll start to see the rain easing off. Most areas for Metro Vancouver, it'll still be cloud cover for tomorrow morning, a chance of showers, a slight risk that we could see a thunderstorm. Monday, bright spot, 18 degrees, and then rainfall for a Tuesday, Wednesday. Tomorrow, it'll be a cool one with only a high of 16. Colleen? All right, thanks, Yvonne. We have some breaking news and more on our top story tonight. We're getting a closer look at the fatal bus crash scene near Banfield. The photos are of the crash scene as crews work to right the bus, which rolled over last night carrying 47 people, mostly students from UVic. It's a gravel road, and they were on their way to Banfield Marine Research Center on the west coast of Vancouver Island. The damage appears to be extensive, and debris still litters the nearby area, including the students' belongings. Heavy rain is still coming down, making it very muddy for crews. The investigation into the cause is expected to take some time. Well, no matter how you look at it, they're heroes. Nearly six years ago, two brothers from Lake Country helped save the lives of four people who were drowning. This week, as Jules Knox reports, they were honored in our nation's capital. Six years ago, Winden and stayed in Denlowich heard people screaming for help near Wood Lake. We were asking what the problem is, and they said that there was three kids that were drowning. So my brother and I, as we're still running, we ripped off all of our clothes and just went in there as fast as we can to try to get these kids. The strong current of Vernon Creek had swept three boys under the age of 12 into the rough waters of the lake where they were struggling to swim. The father of two of the boys and another man rushed to help but quickly ran into trouble too. He was going under like quick, like he was he was on his last like his last strokes. So 
we grabbed him and we tried to swim him in against like the waves and the current. The brothers helped save the children and one of the men, but the father drowned in the stormy water. We were in the water for uh, upwards of five, water, five hours or so until we were got pulled out by search and rescue because, well, told to come out because uh, um, we were looking for the body. It's one of those events where you're, you're, not, you're never going to forget it for your entire life. It's just, you know, drilled right into you. This week, Winden and Staden traveled to Ottawa, where Canada's Governor General awarded them the Medal of Bravery for their courage. It was above and beyond anything my brother and I would have expected. You know, we, we first of all, obviously weren't expecting these awards, and when we found out that we were, were, were going to be receiving them, it was quite a shock and obviously quite an honour to be recognised. And the brothers say they're humbled by the recognition. We don't feel like we're heroes. We feel that we're lucky to be in the right place at the right time and, you know, be able to make a difference. Jules Knox, Global News. Look who's here! Yes, look who's here. Barry's on a little vacation time. Squire has graciously agreed to come in and do a really awesome sportscast for well, us. Does so that you're, oversell? No, you're jinxing because oh, I haven't sorry. even started yet, although I don't believe in jinxes. So you know what? Go ahead Good. and praise me as much as you're you like. You're fabulous. Thank you very much. And you are too. <laughs> okay. Let me just get set here. Uh, a hockey team is not a boat, so it's not always necessary to have a captain. Teams have won the Stanley Cup without officially having a captain, but just the same, in the culture of hockey, there is a lot of reverence given to the player who wears the C. Now, last year, you might remember, the Canucks didn't have a captain at all. And as of right now, they still don't. Their logo is basically a big C, but nobody has the smaller C over their hearts. Will they or won't they? That is a big question when it comes to the C word. But doesn't even matter if there is a captain. Seven teams didn't have one last season. That's almost a quarter of the NHL. No, I have, uh, I've never been on a team, I guess. Gio was a captain in Calgary, and uh, Willie was a captain when I got to Carolina. Uh, you know, but we got a lot of older guys, you know, that good leaders on the team that, you know, there could be four or five different captains on this team. I don't think it matters one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> We're all adults now and playing at the highest level in the world and you come into that room and whether you have a letter on your chest or not, there's different leaders and guys lead by different ways and some guys are vocal, some guys lead by example. But If there were betting odds, you'd figure Bo Horvat would be the overwhelming favorite to get the C. Now since joining the team when he was just 19 years old, Bo learned from the best, sitting just a couple of stalls away from the Sedins in the locker room. And they're the ultimate pros on and off the ice, you know, first guys in the gym, um, you know, working hard in practice. And uh, when everybody leaves after, after bad games and, and uh, you know, everybody goes in, into the gym and into the lounge, they're sticking there and they're staying right there to, to face the media and to take, uh, and take the heat. You know, it was a unique situation. You know, Hank was, Hank was the captain here for, for such a long time and uh, not always easy making the decision right after and trying to give it to someone else. Having a solid leadership group is important, but having one voice in the locker room who can set the tone would be an ideal situation for life after Henrik. Just to be in consideration is really humbling, and, and uh, obviously, um, you know, if it does happen, whether I'm wearing a C or an A, I'm going to try to be the best leader I can, um, no matter what. I'm not going to change who I am as a person or a player. I'm just going to uh, lead by example. So don't be surprised on opening night when the Canucks celebrate year number 50. The ceremony includes Horvat receiving the honor to wear the C, becoming the franchise's 14th captain.
Well, Elias Pettersson went right through the potential new captain. Bo Horvat in scrimmage today. A nice goal. Let's take another look. Remember, he really slowed down at the end of last season. This is more like October, November, December Elias Pettersson we saw last year. Bit stronger. Should be able to last longer this season. Well, when we talked to Travis Green earlier this week, he did mention the name Thatcher Demko a lot because he is one of the young players the Canucks are hoping to see advancement from this season. He only played nine games last year, but expect him to get maybe as many as 30 this coming season behind Jacob Markstrom. Chanel caught up with the Cup Canucks number two goalie at camp in Victoria today. Uh, training camp continues here in Victoria. Thatcher Demko, uh, your first impressions of you know, getting your feet back on the ice there. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good skate, hard skate today for sure. And I think that's good for, for guys to get kind of get the bugs out and, and get their feet moving a little bit, get back into game shape. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of new faces this year, which I think everyone's excited about and uh, just trying to build off of you know, our season last year and, and kind of how we ended out there. So uh, it'll be, be a good, good training camp here in Victoria and then obviously head into the preseason games. Last year, uh, you know, you spent some time in the minors. You came up here uh, for some games. Uh, clearly, you're going to be on this roster. That's the goal here. Uh, what's your mindset of playing games, and you know, what have the coaches told you about what your season's going to look like? Uh, they haven't said much. You know, it's it's kind of a day-to-day type thing. But um, you know, my job is just to be ready and, and become the best that I can be this season. So uh, I had a good summer and feeling you know really good shape. And um, obviously, Marky's the guy and. You know, anytime I get called, I'll be ready to go. So um, regardless of how many times that is, doesn't matter whether it's one game, 82 games, uh, I'll be ready. So uh, just excited for this season and, and see where, where I'm at. What's your relationship with uh, Jacob? I know goalies always have that, uh, you know, tight-knit uh, uh, tandem there. Uh, what have you guys kind of developed so far? Uh, he's been awesome. Um, you know, I, I couldn't name a better guy that I'd, I'd want to be a partner with. So been able to learn a lot from him. You know, he's had a, a great journey uh, so far in his career, and, you know, mine's kind of just getting started. So um, a lot of times, you know, if I'm struggling or, you know, anything like that, I can ask him questions, bounce ideas off him, and he's always been, you know, really open with me, and, and I think that's been really helpful for, for me and, and maybe for him too. So um, obviously really excited for that to continue this year. Until last night, it had been 11 months since the VC Lions last won a regular season game at BC Place Stadium. In a season that has gone more sideways than Devon Claybrook's hat, losing games and losing fans willing to go to BC Place Stadium, they beat Ottawa 29-5. But we should say this, there is actually one part of the Lions that in recent weeks has been showing signs of improvement, and that is their defense. This is the kind of defense the Lions dreamt about before the nightmare of this season set in. It's too late for a playoff push, but at least it's showing that BC's defense is starting to play at a higher level. I feel like it's more of the coaches understanding the players, what we like to play, us understanding ourselves, and just everybody taking a, uh, honing in on understanding and learning the defense. And I feel like sometimes that's what it takes, you know. We, all of us are new. All the coaches are new. A lot of the players are new. We can't all come from different teams. So it takes a, uh, some time to gel sometimes. But I feel like now we're gelling as a defense. Even the last four or five games, our DBs have been playing very well. And now our, now our D-line is coming to play together, and we're becoming a solid defense. As for the offense, the Lions put up 29, but they still felt like it wasn't enough. They left too many chances unrewarded. 
which has been a problem for this offense this season. I think probably the coolest part was the way that I felt and, and the way that I think the rest of the guys felt in the locker room, you could tell, was that there were, they certainly were not content because there was just a lot of concentration on being happy about a win, but also knowing that we left a lot of stuff out there. Just another step in the journey. I mean, where we were, we want to be, we're not even close. But, I mean, it's a, it's a win, and we'll take it, and it's something to build off of. Reggie Bigleton. Dave Dickinson and the Stampeders facing the Ticats. Looked like the Ticats were going to win this one. And then, touchdown pass here. Bo Levi Mitchell to Eric Rogers. That made it 19-18. Liam Haralahu for the win. But the block. Way up there. Trey Roberson like he was in a bouncy castle or something. Big block and Calgary holds on for the 19-18 win over the Ticats this afternoon. Uh, neither the Seattle Seahawks or the Pittsburgh Steelers were at their best in week one of the NFL season. But the difference is Seattle won its game against Cincinnati while Pittsburgh got rolled by the New England Patriots. But odds makers are willing to overlook that. And they have made the Steelers a three and a half point favorite tomorrow against the Seahawks, probably because the game is in Pittsburgh and it starts at 10 our time. Despite an ugly win, the Seahawks showed there are some big holes. Andy Dalton shredded the secondary for 418 yards. It was just the sixth time under Pete Carroll's defense. Seattle has allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 400 yards. Now they face Big Ben, who has nine 400-yard games in his career, including one against the Hawks back in 2015. Luckily, the defensive line bailed them out. Five sacks and a couple of forced fumbles. They held Cincinnati to just 34 yards on the ground, 2.4 yards a carry. Now that bodes well as they face James Conner, who had five 100-yard rushing games in 2018. While his numbers weren't eye-popping, just 15 carries for 46 yards, Chris Carson came up big in the fourth quarter as his final two touches combined for 25 yards. Now he'll have to be much more efficient versus the Steelers, who were the sixth best team against the run last season. After a dismal performance versus the Patriots, expect Ben Roethlisberger to bounce back. Attack in the secondary, likely a good strategy. But keep an eye on the status of Steelers number one receiver Juju Schuster this week. He suffered a toe injury last Sunday. He caught six passes for 78 yards versus New England. Just like the Hawks, the Steelers secondary got ripped apart in week one for 366 yards and three touchdowns. But look for the front seven to put more pressure on Russell Wilson, who was sacked four times and hit nine times in his first 20 dropbacks. Wilson has been sacked the most of any quarterback in the NFL in the last five seasons. Pittsburgh is a three and a half point favorite and has won seven of nine versus Seattle at home, including the last two meetings. All right, let's go to Toronto where Ladner's James Paxton was pitching for the Yankees against the Blue Jays. He's been on a roll, came into this game having won eight straight. There he is striking out Teoscar Hernandez to end the threat in the first. The Yankees can score. In fact, no one has scored more runs than they have this year. Brett Gardner, three-run homer, second of the game, five RBI. That made it 6-0. Back to Paxton. 
Nine straight wins. He's now at 14 and six. And he had plenty of help. Glabar Torres was his 37th home run of the year. Yankees win this easy. It's like a football score, 13 to three. Well, if only the Canucks could have the kind of season the Vancouver Titans have had. In their first ever year, the Aquilini's Overwatch League team has made the championship final after a win yesterday over New York in the semifinals. The Titans, which are made up exclusively of South Korean players who showed promise in the lower ranks before Vancouver signed them. I love doing these highlights because I'll be honest with you folks, I'm really not entirely sure what's going on. <laughs> so close. All I know is... Good things are happening for Vancouver. They're shooting all the right dudes. They're knocking all the right guys off. And what you see here is the very end of their match. And they are happy because they are going to the grand final, which will be September 29th in Philadelphia. And apparently it's sold out like in oh, no yeah. time. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be huge. And Vancouver could have a championship Overwatch League team. Uh, big upset today in Premier League, Norwich City 3-2 over Man City. That's uh, Todd Cantwell making it 2-0 at one point in the game. There you go. Okay, going back to the Titans, guys. Those, they have the potential to win a lot of money. Yes, they do. A lot of money. They are skilled. And they don't have to break a sweat. But they if you that. watch it, it's hard to keep up with because oh. it's there's a lot of things going on. Oh, no, they have real skill. Yeah. Thank you so much, Squire. Okay, things you can check out of a library. I mean, there are lots of things, and not just books, right? So how about this? If you're a dog lover, but you don't own one, you can now borrow one for free. So how many people? Three. Three. Yes. We'll All right. see you at 145. There you go, people lining up at Emory Barnes Park to sign up to borrow a dog from the canine library. Eight therapy dogs were filling 64 time slots at the Vancouver Public Library event. Once checked out using a bark code, Get it? Participants read poems to the loner dogs during their 15-minute sessions. The canines tolerating all of the attention, even if the poetry did kind of put them to sleep. Yeah, who can blame them? Um, the, uh, the park board, Pause for Stories, and St. John's Ambulance all partnered with the canine library idea. We are here mostly to pet some very good dogs. Um, we think this is an absolutely wonderful idea. It is very Vancouver. I think, you know, I, we didn't think that this would take off so well, but, you know, we, we knew that it would get um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, local coverage, but now we're seeing a lot of international coverage, which is pretty amazing. But, you know, we can't have dogs in our apartment building, so to be able to come out and just spend some time with a dog is really wonderful because we can't have that at home. And we can't have them at our office either, and it's no. sad. They're so beautiful. So do they have poetry readings for cats that you can borrow to? I think that might be nice. think the cats stick around? Squire. See, the dogs politely will listen to the poetry, the cats just bolt. Yeah. They're out of here. Uh, keep your umbrella handy. Have a great night. <laughs>